Hey, everybody. I wrote a book. I'm super excited and I'd love for you to check it out. No Longer Denying Sexual Abuse, Making the Choices That Can Change Your Life is now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Goodreads, anywhere that you read a book. So please check it out. And I've also launched my 21-week series, No Longer Abused, which is free. All you have to do is buy a copy of the book. For more information, go to nolongerdenyingsexualabuse.com and sign up for one or all of the 21-week series. And now, on to our guest. I'm a writer. I love writers and I coach writers. So it makes sense that I'd interview writers from all areas, blogging, TV, film, songwriting, podcasting, but also the new writers, the first timers that did it, that took the plunge because at one point they heard from someone, you should write a book about that. What would you think if I told you eroticism is the secret sauce to wellness. Would you buy a book written on that topic? I know I would. And even though she hasn't written the book yet, this is the position of Tina Coopersmith, MD, who after 30 years as a fertility expert is focused on prioritizing pleasure to remind our nervous system that we are to feel safe in our bodies. I am sure many of our listeners are going through fertility issues or have questions about late in life motherhood or like me, are abuse survivors with body trauma. So this is going to be a fantastic conversation for you, but also for everyone looking at a deeper relationship to our bodies and sexuality. Tina, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great. So, you know, I kind of stalked you after I saw you talk at the Southern California Wellness Conference, and you spoke about sexuality as a way to re-remember ourselves. Tell me more about that. Well, as children, we come out into this world and we're caring, we're non-judgmental, we're compassionate, we're all about play, we're about growth, evolution, like everything is magical. And we feel all the feels. Think about a two-year-old's temper tantrum and their intense joy and their intense sadness. And they can have a temper tantrum and then they get over it and they're like totally playing with their friends with intense ecstasy at the next minute, right? Right. right. They have just expansive emotions and they feel everything. They're taking everything in. But somewhere along the line, very often at least I did, you get critiqued. You're crying too much. You're laughing too much. You're too joyful. You're too much of a crier. You're too You're messy. Too sensitive. You're too messy. You, you break things. You drop things. And all of a sudden, our big selves get smaller and smaller and smaller. Yes. We no longer believe we're these magical human beings that can really have whatever we freaking want to have on the planet. We can no longer make magic because we're broken. Everybody tells us there's something wrong with us. So we disconnect and we don't feel safe in our own bodies. And then the other thing that happens, right? A lot of us are intuitive. We're growing up. Mom and dad have a fight. Oh my God, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. You're like, what? Because I could tell. Yeah. Like you're feeling what's going on. They're doing it in your best interest. but. 
They could just say, oh, mom and dad had a disagreement. It doesn't mean we're going to get separated. It doesn't mean you have to worry about it. it but what they do is they dis dissociate yourself from your inner knowing. Like, oh, no, yeah. something was just going on. And they just told me it wasn't, right? Right. So we, we literally separate from our human bodies, right? And then you mentioned it in your opening. How many people have been abused in our bodies, right? So some people have been physically abused. A lot of people have been mentally abused. They don't even know how, but like we, I have so many limiting beliefs because you download all these sayings from the people above you that you don't really understand. Money grows on trees. Right. I hate that one. <laughs> like we have scarcity mindset, like don't spend this, don't. And like I was dissociated from my physical body because I had a pleasure practice that I didn't even know what it was. It was an energy practice. It was progressive muscle relaxation, but it really made me feel good. And I got yelled at by the next door neighbor who said her mother, like, oh, you're not allowed to ever do that again. And I was just like, I don't even know what I'm doing or what I'm doing wrong. But what was the practice? What were you doing? I was doing progressive muscle relaxation, but I did it in the genital region and it felt good. And I literally told my next door neighbors, hey, if you squeeze your butt and you squeeze this area, it feels good. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, <laughs> like it's a total normal, healthy thing. And then we're shamed Correct. is like bad. And so I never told a soul what I did. And I, and then I'm trying to learn how to get into my body sexually when I'm a teenager. And what I did for myself was completely different from what they're trying to do to me. And I didn't know how to vocalize. Plus I didn't want to tell anybody because what I did was wrong and weird. Right. And so it was this disconnect. So I didn't know how to get my needs met from a physical. So we become disconnected emotionally, mentally, physically. We do, even though it's self-care. It's self-care and it's love. So like what happens though, when you add in a partner and you start to bring in their energies and their stakes and their trauma. How do you practice self-care that way sexually? Well, it's an interesting concept because I didn't know how to do it very well, right? So I was raised, I'm older probably even than you. And, you know, I was raised that it was way more important in a sense for the guy, make sure the guy has pleasure. I also was sort of this Older men are supposed to know better, right? So I remember seeking out my first experience with a much older man. Well, not much older, but fairly older. And like, wasn't any better than the guys my age, but he thought it was better, you know? And <laughs> Right. You know, so it's this learning and le learning. Without a manual. Right. Without a manual, without knowing how to speak your needs, your wants. No, touch me this way. No, touch me this way. It wasn't until I was like separated and off in Jaya's world that I'm like, oh, yeah, there's all these different ways to touch another human. Yeah. And there's all these different ways that people feel pleasure. And yeah, people do it in their mind. They do it at the sensation play. There's just so many ways to play. And I think I knew it intuitively. There certainly was no manual that I had. You end up in patterns and you do the same thing over and over. And sometimes those patterns are not super fulfilling. That's all you know to do. And then you get hopeless, right? So how would somebody who 
I know you can't give me like your whole practice and your whole system here in this short time, but like, how would somebody that's had miscarriages or is struggling to feel good about their body and infertility or has been in trauma? And I know those, none of those are like particularly the same, but they're all traumas, right? Mm -hmm. How do they play after they've experienced something like that? How do they feel safe to play again? Like to believe again, it's almost like believing again, right? Yeah, that, you know what? That's a huge piece of the puzzle. So a big thing that I work with with patients, right? I wrote a children's book. And when I was doing it, we are the universe. We are air. We are like we're 66% water or more. So we're water. We're right. breathing all the time. So we're air. We're carbon. So we're earth. And then the energy connecting everything, we're fire. Now the earth is all four of that. The sky is all four of that. Fire is all of that. So we are the universe, like literally. I love that. That's so empowering. Yes. <laughs> but literally, we are we are the universe. Like it's fall and the leaf falls off the tree. Does the leaf have this like, no, I'm dying. This is awful, right? No, it's part of life. The leaf falls off and it it gets reincarnated as soil and the roots and this and that. So I try and tell patients and clients like, we are not our past because we want to put the past in the past. And the past does not define the future. Never has. It's over. The door is closed. It's finished, right? But we believe in recycling, right? The best thing to do is recycle your past. And so what you do always, if I am the universe, then the universe is always working for me. I have to trust that the universe wants something good for me because I'm the freaking universe. I'm no different. Okay? <laughs> I love that. Right. So if truly I am the universe, then the universe wants good for me. So that crappy thing that was so awful, someday, somewhere, somehow, I'm going to recycle that. And that's going to be for me, right? It's like when you write a movie, there's foreshadowing. That's right. Your past is your foreshadowing. Especially if you could look at that, look at it well, like that instead of what was done to me is just like, oh, this is actually working its way up to the bigger work and the freedom that I'm going to do in this world. And 100%. Those are the people that are truly, truly free. Now you started as a fertility, you know, fellow, you were tying tubes, you were doing all that like medical, you know, just stuff, rigid, that medical rigid stuff in fertility. Uh -huh. How did you get? all these years later into this work? Because I failed in my medical career, even as I succeeded in my medical career, right? So the story I told myself, I get out of meds, I got out, I did six years of training. I was like offered resident of the year award. I was great. Like I was really a great resident, right? Great med school, great resident. And then I was married and my husband was 10 years older than me because I went for the older man. Because you went for the older man. Still not realizing that that doesn't actually matter. <laughs> yes. And so he gifted me his own shadows, which was another whole story. But we were he was already in practice. So he was like, we have a kid. We have two kids. We're graduating. I had to stay in Los Angeles. And no one was hiring that year in fertility. Like I called all the different practices. What year was that? It was 1995. Okay. So my my OBGYN, I'm literally looking for a job in the OBGYN's office. I had one kid, one on the way. And she's like, well, you could work here for me, but I wanted to be a fertility doc. And she's general OBGYN, right? 
But she gave me like, okay, I'll work for, with her and I'll start my fertility practice because I couldn't move. My husband, we never even sat down and had a conversation about wow. maybe we should figure out where we both can get a good job. Right. Equality, equality, Correct. right? So anyway, so I go into practice by myself and I had to build from the ground up and I was never, I didn't have the biggest, the, you know, like a hundred million IVF cycles a year. No, I was always struggling to get patients and I was doing GYN and fertility, right? So the inside of me was like, you got to do more. You got to get better. You got to do more. You got to get better. You got to do more. You got to know more. But So I was like, I got to figure out how to do more and be better. And I went back to school and I became an integrative medicine fellowship trained and bird certified in integrative medicine. Then I trained in functional medicine. I've trained in heart math. And in my own healing, it's so funny because my past kept me secondary. It was like I was the secondary career and I wasn't good enough. So I had to get all these certifications. Now that I'm doing my healing, I'm like, no, I was always good enough. Right. I just didn't feel it. I already have the key to all this. And thank right. God, because you could come and like help all these people that are coming into situations like fertility. But I never would have changed my practice if I had gone into that successful, successful busy IVF factory. I would be a standard Western medicine doing 100 to 500 cycles a year of IVF. And I never would have known about the sexuality impact, wellness, integrative medicine, self-healing. I never probably would have healed myself. No, that's beautiful. I, you know, I had, so I had my first kid at 35 and it was like, boop. And then at 39, I tried to get pregnant with my second kid. And a year in, I went to my old school OBGYN who was like 81 years old. And I said, what, what are like, what is going on? And he said, have more sex at the right time and enjoy it. And I was like, what a concept. And boom, I got pregnant like a week, you know, like a week oh, later. I love it. Old school. It is old school. I feel like we've gotten away from old school. We've gotten into the IVF. There's a machine being fed. I have friends that have been through IVF. They have been blessed with children, but what a road they've been on. And there could have been a much possibly easier road for them. Now, you come from a less fear-based mentality, right? When it comes to, you basically say, let's take the fear out of it, right? Correct. So my view is... The opposite of fear is that truly love. And at my heart, my center, my authenticity, I am love. That's just who I am. And I literally believe the universe is working for us. Mm -hmm. So I sit with my infertility patients and I was like, uh, go outside. And I watch Mama Gina do this in front of 800 women. One woman goes to the front of the room and she had to jump up and down on a trampoline, celebrating the hell about hell out of her infertility journey. And lo and behold, within the year she conceived and wow. she did do donor egg. Like I'm not, I'm not going to lie that, you know, it's not that medicine is bad or that. Right. But she had had failed cycles, even with that. What it is, is it's playing with your brain and it's celebrating all the muck is also for you. Right. And so fertility is a gift in so many ways. If right. you choose to look at it that way. Because it might be telling the physician 
what's under the hood that's wrong with you so we can make you more healthy so you don't get cancer later or you don't get an autoimmune disease later or your thyroid gets corrected or you learn you're with the wrong freaking partner. Right. Right. Like right. You're, you're not on the same page before you have children. Not when you're raising kids. <laughs> Which is then, you know, leads to divorce and all that kind of crazy, crazy right. stuff. Wow. Well, you know, when we had a discussion about you writing a book, I just have to say that you had, you know, some of the reasons why you're not writing the book that so many people come to me in a conversation about, I think I have four books. I can't decide which book I want to write. I want a book that's more aligned with what I do with my coaching practice. I don't, you know, what book is that? And, you know, is this head spin sort of keeping you from green lighting the book? You know, because we only have to start one. That's it. Just one book. So do you think that's what's holding you back or what is what is it? That's actually a great question. So when I did my erotic blueprint, I'm a shapeshifter, right? So I can play in all the blueprints, but I need to play in all the blueprints. Like I need variety. And I actually think that sometimes it's like my ADD. I get so scattered. Wait, I want to do this, but I want to do this, but I want to do this. So I do think probably I need somebody, I need a taskmaster. Like I need to play with my kink, which is get a person to actually like maybe you flat, you know, <laughs> no, this book is the one you need to write first and right. get me on target and get one done, one, one and done. And then I can start on another one. That's right. And I need someone to help me because I get, I still have a medical practice. I have a coaching practice. I'm trying to put together talks. I'm trying to educate freaking medical residents so they can be better physicians. So yes, I need a taskmaster to tell me what to do when so that I can get it done. And also calm the spin, right? Oh, so yeah. a lot of times what happens is, is there'll be all the all that stuff going on that you just mentioned. And then the book, since it's the newest thing and the most unknown thing, but yet the one of the most powerful things will come along and it'll be the, the target. Well, everything's out of control because I agreed to write this book and now I have to do this book. And I always have to remind my clients, it's actually not going to take that much time and it's actually going to give you a new platform and a new direction in your whole life, right? So right. right now it feels tedious because it's it creates a new spoke in the wheel, right? That has to keep yeah. going. And so you can go away from the joy and get caught up into, oh, it's just another thing I've added to my plate. How am I ever going to handle all this? Teaching people how to have sex in a non-fear-based way for fertility Seems to me like it would be like a knock, knock it out of the park topic. It seems like people oh, would, would pick be, it it's up. So much right? fun, yeah. What would be like some of the action steps? Like, just give us a few action steps because this is in your coaching, right? Yeah. So I actually had a, a client in the other day, a patient, and it wasn't directly fertility related, but it would work with a fertility patient just as well. So she was really suffering from some anxiety and how many fertility patients have significant anxiety, oh, right? right? And so I was working through the coaching and we got her to this great place with some of my coaching tools where literally you tangibly feel like I came in before and I said like, I'm the universe, right? You tangibly with some of these really cool tools that a psychologist developed, you can get to that nirvana place of like, yeah, I really am great. I'm the universe and I I'm comfortable and I'm safe. 
But then it's the action step, right? All right, now that you got it, now that you feel it, how are you going to change your life so you can remember this? So you don't forget this, right? So her biggest thing, which is really common with anxiety, trusting the universe, giving up control. Connection with God. Hello, I'm so guilty, right? Trust. It's so hard to trust. So I gave her home play over the weekend. And I said, I want you to chat with your partner. And I had another colleague, another patient in, and she was single, said, call a friend. They need to dom you for the entire weekend. You need to trust that they have your best interests at heart. They're going to put pick the restaurant. They're going to order for you. They're going to tell you what, where to be and when. They're going to tell you what to wear. You wow. can't make decisions. That is a and dominatrix that I've met are wonderful for sexual abuse survivors because you do have to surrender and trust in a safe container, which then in a weird way breaks down your fear and then rebuilds up your trust, right? Correct, right? So literally I gave her homework and it didn't have to be kinky homework in the sense of like, no, she doesn't have to go to a dungeon and learn how to be tied up and, you know, BDS. (laughs) Tied to a cross and like whipped. Right. Right. Yeah, if she wants that, great. But that's not what I'm talking about. It's psychological right. role play yeah. of, no, let someone else actually control. And maybe you start with an hour. Maybe you yeah. start with a day. Maybe you start with the weekend. Like everyone has to know how. And I laugh because here I am teaching this, right? This weekend, I went to visit my son and watch him play baseball. And I laughed because. So a year ago, he was in his senior year of college, but he had one more year of baseball eligibility. A year ago, I said, you need a backup plan. What if you don't get drafted? See, I didn't trust the universe. Okay. And he's like, mom, I'm going to get drafted. I'm trusting. I'm not coming up with a backup plan. It's amazing. Now he didn't get drafted. Oh, there was a day of intense sadness, like the worst he Thought he could get drafted, should have been drafted, but he wasn't drafted. The same day, actually a day before, he found out he, because he had another year of eligibility, he put his name in the transfer pool and other colleges could pick him up. And he subconsciously, things happened. He and his coach had a little bit of a falling out. So anyway, the day after the draft, or maybe the same day, like one of the best schools in the country reached out and said, we want you on our team. And this year, he's knocking it out of the park at that school, and he loves his coach, and he's learning so much, and he's doing a great thing. I still don't know where it's going to take him long term, but this year was an amazing year for him, whether he gets drafted or not. Right. So he actually trusted the universe to have his back, and it didn't have his back the way we thought but it had its back. But it it's always working for our highest and best good all the time. And I think right. that's true. Like when it comes to, you know, making a family, sexuality, you know, producing children. Do you think that, you know, if you write a book about, you know, people, you know, being like sexual for uh, just to relax and like get more of what their, their needs met, like how will this be looked at differently than say like, 
the Kama Sutra books that are out there, which is really the last kind of things that I feel like we've seen. There's been Karma Sutra. There's been a couple other practices. Like I'm trying to remember, um, there was a woman that wrote the um book, right? And that was like doing that. I, I did that once with a guy I was dating. I did the um practice and I was a little turned off by the like, gloves. I'm getting way too graphic here, but the gloves and the lube and the pill, it felt too Did you like- do OM? Is that what you yes, did? Orgasmic yes, meditation? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is that what it, I'm sorry. I, I just thought it is. It was an orgasmic meditation. And did it work? I felt too involved in the, the, the system of the organization of it. It wasn't, it didn't feel natural for me. I felt too awkward. Right. So it may not have been your, like, your way in, right? So the whole concept right. that Jaya teaches is that there are different blueprints of how we each get pleasure. What's Jaya? Jaya is, she's a sexologist who came up with these erotic blueprints and she, you know, typologies to them and they correlate to ancient traditions. In my book, I move it to all of medicine in that we have in my integrative medicine practice, we talk about the mind body the gut body, which is your body body, the gut brain, the heart brain, there's actually nervous tissue and a brain in your heart. And then your peripheral nervous system is this energetic nervous system that's attaching to everything out in the universe. And so she has these erotic blueprints where you can figure out your type, right? So are you a sensual or an energetic or a sexual or a kinky or a shapeshifter? But everybody has a different percentage of each one, we may fall into a type like an EM, you know, what is it? Extrovert, introvert. Right. But we all have our own unique nervous system. So our percentages of everything is just a little bit different, right? So my shapeshifter is not necessarily the same as your shapeshifter and your sensual. It's not exactly the same as someone else's sensual. So the own practice, right, is probably really appeals to the energetic who's all about meditation and moving energy and feeling it that way. And another person may really enter their body pleasurably from their five senses. So they they need music, touch, taste, sound, different pressure. There's different kinds of touch, right? Right. I actually went up to someone the other day. I said, I bet you're an energetic. How does this feel? How does this feel? And she was like, oh, I'm like, and she jumped because <laughs> right. you she tapped didn't into know it. that yeah. that's the way in. And especially those of us who are energetic, if someone in the bedroom goes right for your genitalia, you're short circuited and turned off and you can't, you can't turn the body back on. Like you're like, ah. it's like someone took a, took a, like a, like poked you with like a, a hot rod. You're just like, I'm yeah. done. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so exactly. you could have been so excited to go out with this person. And then physically it was like, what just happened? I was so excited to be with you. And then my body completely turned off. And it's because you don't know how to play with the energy and you need to right. play with the energy. They're not actually the problem. It's that the two of you don't know how to communicate energetically to get more turned on. Wow. And so you communicate in Western touch. I'm, we're having sex now. Got to touch this place. Right. And all of a sudden it all dies. And then you think you're incompatible. 
and you're just speaking a different language. Right, right, right. Well, that's amazing. I think that's so helpful for so many people because I don't think they, because I think you're right. They think, oh, I'm not, I'm just not compatible or the sex is bad or they they don't want to have the longer conversations. They don't want to go into the deeper work. They don't want to do the deeper dives. And, And like, why not? It's so much harder to go start again with somebody else. If you're compatible with a person and you've enjoyed time with them and you've enjoyed conversation and you get into bed and it might possibly not be working, then you can come and have some of these other conversations. I love that. So you said in your book that you wanted to be, when you write your book, that you want to be the voice of reason. How do you think that voice of reason will stand out with everything else that's being said in this context? I guess because I'm a blend of science and faith in the universe. So I want to stand out because I'm not woo woo. I don't believe in science. I don't believe in modern stuff. I'm not, but the universe and who we are. And even like, like the scientists are like, we have to do a study on this. Yeah. And how'd you get the idea to have that, do that study? Where did that come from? Mm. Did that come from science or did somehow you get this like download from the universe? Maybe I should look at how this plays with this. Right. Or a sign of some kind or right. That does come also from the universe, by the way. Right. Right. And so I want to blend them both. And I even like, I talk even about, you know, if you look in the blue zones where those are the pockets of the universe, there's like seven blue zones, I think, that have the most people that have lived beyond 100 years old. And National Geographic, there was a researcher and he went out and he visited all seven zones and he really got like put together this, I think, documentary and a book all about. And it's not like there's one thing like in in Loma Linda, which is in California, that's one of the blue zones. And they don't drink, they don't smoke, and there's no fast food, right? But another blue zone is like in the middle of Greece, and they're drinking their ouzo, (laughs) and they're smoking, you know? So it's not like there's one way to live. To see, right. To see, you have to play with all these like tools and behaviors, yeah. But in general, the things that they all have is they, they do celebrate the body. They celebrate pleasure and time off and time to connect with friends and good real food. And that's all pleasure, right? Yeah. They celebrate living the magic of being alive. Love that. It's so, so, so true. And we have so much power fueled from that, right? Versus I have to make this work and I have to work really hard and I have to make this happen. And this is a timeline I have versus... Let's just be in the zone of pleasure and joy. And from that comes creation. Comes right. so much. So creation. that's the thing too. If you know about the chakra system, right? Your root chakra has to be safe. That's your first chakra. Right. So that's healing that inner child. Yes. And healing any relationship you're in where you don't feel safe. Right. And once that is rooted, right? That's the tree stump. That's your, your roots into the earth. And the next chakra up is creativity. Interesting. Oh, that's beautiful. Right. And when you think about a tree and mind you trees, 
when they do studies on trees to try and plant them in Mars, right? I'm a nerd. I read all this stuff. So when they tried to do like a greenhouse, let's make the atmosphere like Mars. How can we make a greenhouse? Trees get to be a certain height and they fall over. Okay. When they add wind, the stress of the wind, they get really tall. Oh, interesting. So resiliency from stress makes you stronger. So there's your past being recycled. Right, right. That's so true. And that root chakra, when you think about ulcer roots, the tallest trees in the redwood forest, they don't have deep roots. Their roots are very lateral. They're holding each other up. Beautiful. Wow. Oh my God. I well, I just love trees so much. Trees make me, yeah. trees bring me us back to peace, right? Anytime that I feel troubled, I can go anywhere. Even in the city of LA, there's always a tree to be found, right? Even in an urban city. Well, I have just loved this conversation. I know everybody listening can't wait for you to write that book. So we have to get you going on that. And thank you so much for doing this work and, and helping people to really fulfill their dreams, not just like having babies, but also connecting back to their body. Thank you. And just remember, you were born to be well and born to do you. Beautiful, beautiful mantra. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. We love reviews. If you enjoyed our show, head over to your platform of choice to drop a review, share with a friend, or even better, if you want to write a book, be in touch. You can find us at kimohara.com.